being Christmas, I suppose you're all wondering about my nice little gift here. And uh, I want to unwrap something this morning, and something that you might not have looked at it that way before. And uh, so I'm going to start with uh, just opening in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for Christmas. I thank you that it is a season of giving. And Lord, you gave the greatest gift ever, and we so appreciate it. None of us actually would be in here this morning if you hadn't given the gifts that you gave. So thank you, mighty God. And thank you for this time of fellowship together. Thank you that we can come together uh, as a family and come together around you and around your word. So bless this time together, we pray in your precious name. Amen. Okay, we're going to start with a scripture here that's uh, quite well known, but we'll just read that through. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in a town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. Now I've stood in those shepherd's fields a couple of times now, just about two and a half kilometers from Bethlehem. And there's been an anointing there each time I've been there. It's a special place. The angelic host announced the greatest gift ever to a group of ordinary shepherds that the Savior has come. Who's pleased about that? (laughs) We all are. The Israelites at that time were waiting for a Savior as they were tired of the oppression that the occupying Roman uh, Empire had come you know, with the land grabs, the false religions, and the high taxes. They were waiting for a savior. And it's recorded in Luke's gospel. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John the Baptist might possibly be the Christ. They were wanting the Christ. They were looking forward to him. But when Jesus came, very few people, possibly a couple, maybe a handful of people, actually understood the significance of his arrival. Mary, obviously, Joseph, the wise men, maybe the shepherds, maybe they understood. And Simeon and Anna, the prophetess, who prayed for baby Jesus when he was taken to the temple. But as we celebrate Christmas, a day set aside to honor Jesus' birth, not his birthday, To honor his birth, I want to look at one of the gifts Jesus brought to his birth. Now, who likes unwrapping presents? Anybody? Okay. Who'd like to come and get a present? Somebody come and get a present. I've got some kids' presents here. I've got a... There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. I've got some adults present. Anybody want to come and get a present? Anybody 
brave enough to want to come and get a gift. There's um, two. Anybody? She's got the gift. <laughs> it's lucky dip. I've got three gifts left. Who's brave enough? Come on. Yeah, that's all right. Two more. There you go. It's a good time. Don't you agree? Getting gifts. We know the wise men brought gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But Jesus also brought gifts, believe it or not. Salvation, the greatest of them all, but he also brought other gifts at that time. So if we look at that scripture again, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be with, that will be for all the people. So, it would be easy to pass by this thinking, of course, there is great joy when any new baby arrives, especially baby Jesus. So we just say, great joy, okay, the baby Jesus was born. But I think there's more to that than that. Baby Jesus was not the answer to our or the world's sin problem. It was a sinless man who died a very painful death and rose from the grave, bringing with him the keys of hell, wasn't it? So baby Jesus came, and we've got to be careful that we don't stay there, that that's the joy of the world. Jesus came as a baby. It's just incredible to think that God wants to spend the time in the womb, even nine months in the womb, you know, to come out as a baby, let alone spend time as a baby. But it was the man that we, we're here today because of the man, the sinless man who went to the cross, This living Christ is who we really celebrate on Christmas, our Savior, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. But as Christians, He not only gives us salvation, He gives each of us a job to do. And through salvation, these other gifts become very, very powerful. To see the significance of the gift of joy, great joy, I need to take us to the last night Jesus spent with his disciples before his arrest. So I want to look at the gift of joy. Now you can think about that. When something happens, you're happy about something. When something else happens, you might be sad. You've got this joy in you. But that's not the gift that I'm actually talking about. I'm talking about the gift that the angels proclaimed so I, I want to take us to, um, I want to jump actually 33 years from the day that Jesus was born to the upper room. He is sharing with and praying for his disciples. And believe it or not, at the same time, he was praying for you and me. So we're included in this. He says, I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may, what, have the full measure of my joy within them. So there's a difference, isn't there? There's an emotion of joy. 
But now he's saying that he wants us to have the full measure of joy. Now, before Jesus came, there was joy in the world. There wasn't, everybody just wasn't misery guts from, that, from, from, the, from Adam right till Jesus, right? They would have been happy with birth. They would have been happy with all sorts of things. People would have had joy. So why did Jesus bring joy? It's a different joy. So the full measure of my joy within them. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And that's us. So he's praying for us that we would have the full measure of his joy within him. So what is that? Now, the other thing I've just got to remind you is if Jesus was praying to the Father that we would have the full measure of joy, who do you reckon, do you reckon that prayer was answered? Do you reckon Jesus' prayer was answered? So he's praying to the Father that we get the full measure of joy. So guess what? You've got it. And so consequently, I believe that this gift is one of the most powerful gifts on the planet. And you don't even realize it. We just don't. As the verse in Hebrews shows us, for who, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This joy was able to take Jesus to the cross and the painful death on the cross. Does your joy do that? The joy in you does. So strong, in fact, it helped Jesus, who was a fully a man, endure the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus knew very well the pain he would suffer. He knew Isaiah. It wasn't, it wasn't a mystery to him. He didn't know what was going to happen. He, he knew what was going to happen. He knew what they were going to do to him. We see in these two verses, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. He knew that was coming. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. He knew the end result. He knew his father loved him to bits, just like he loves you and me to bits. He knew salvation was at stake. Scorning its shame, it says, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what was it? It seems odd that when the angels announced joy to the world, Christ was bringing it. Through what? Through our salvation. The joy of our salvation, God's plan to reconcile man to himself, can't be underestimated. This plan gave Jesus great joy, enough to endure the sufferings of the cross. Many things can bring us joy. Relationships, a, a large fish you've caught, a new baby. But when we see God for who he really is, the most loving, the most caring, all-knowing, all-forgiving heavenly Father who will go to extreme lengths to reconcile man back to himself, when we can see what he has prepared for us and understand the price he and his son Jesus paid for us, then and only then can we understand the fullness of joy. Are you with me? 
There's a joy that you've always understood. But when you know Christ and what he's actually done for you and what he's prepared for you, then you step into that fullness of joy. And then if you think of Christ doing the same, he knew what was coming, but he knew the the result. He knew what they had done to see our salvation, and that joy allowed him to go through that situation. It's a very, very powerful part of our life. The Apostle Peter, one of the 12 disciples, began his first letter saying, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled, now look at this, with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Expressible and glorious joy. King James says unspeakable joy. You've heard that term, unspeakable joy. In other words, you can't actually describe it, but they're relating you're going through trials, but you have this unspeakable joy. Why? Because you know Christ, and you know what's awaiting for you. Do we actually think about that? James, Jesus' brother and another of Christ's disciples, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. This needs to challenge us because if you look at joy always, it's because it's a happy event. It's a happy situation. It's good to get the family together around Christmas. Let's have a joyous time. That's not the joy that the angels proclaimed when they said joy to the world. They, the world already had that joy. It was pointless, Jesus coming, if that was the joy he was bringing. He was bringing a joy that we could go through the trials that we go through because we know the end result. As promised by the angels, joy came with our Savior. So our salvation brings his joy. If you are born again, you have this inexpressible, unspeakable, and glorious joy inside you. It dwells in you. And it is available to us for every encounter, every hardship, every trial, every happy event, every day. It does not run out. There's a difficulty that we have with being selfish. <laughs> you know, if it pleases us and it, if people are pleasing us, we're happy. If we're pleased, we're happy. All right? And that's where the emotion comes in. I'm happy. I'm happy. Things are going well. And when we're not happy, we're not happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't see a joyous face when we're not happy because it's about us. We want to be happy. We want you to make us, I want you to make me happy. <laughs> but that's not what this joy is talking about at all. It's the joy in knowing Christ and what he did for us. Anybody glad about that? Are you st- is anybody seeing this a little bit differently? <laughs> it's the joy of knowing Christ and what he did for us. That's what came on that time at, 
many 2,000 years ago. How do we see Christ? As a baby in a manger? As a man in a robe and sandals walking the dusty streets of Israel? A disfigured body hanging on a cross? A vision of bright white light? A friend or confidant? Or the all-powerful, as John recorded in Revelation? How do we see him? But the word says, not only is he this awesome conquering king, the Bible also tells us he was a man of sorrows, and yet he had the deepest joy of anyone in the universe. Clearly, fullness of joy in this life doesn't mean all other competing emotions are excluded. We rejoice and we weep, and it's sometimes at the same time. Sally Ann's happy, she cries. <laughs> Other people do that as well. I'm happy. <laughs> Paul says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Have we got there? Can we be like that? Thank you. <laughs> And when praising the Macedonian churches, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That's got to be God. This joy I'm talking about is God in you. It, it doesn't matter what you're going through. God has this joy of a life after this life, has a joy that we can do this life better knowing who Christ is. Fullness of joy comes when Christ is the end of our search for satisfaction. When we come to that place where the world no longer satisfies us and only God and his plan satisfies, then comes fullness of joy. When we come to that point in our life, when we see Christ as the fountain of all joy, we will never leave this fountain to find a more satisfying one. As King David said, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Apostle Paul said, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Have we arrived there yet? Or are we still hoping worldly things will satisfy us? It's a question I ask myself, and we need to ask ourselves. And I also need to ask myself, where's page five? <laughs> you know, Jesus said, you know, I am the bread of life. This is slide 14. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Firstly, it's now, sorry, finally, it's now our job to reach out to the lost world. They need the joy that lives in us. The wealth of joy that resides in us needs to flow out and touch others. 
there's a connection here with us having that joy and understanding it because of what Jesus actually asks us to do. He says, I have told you that so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater, lover, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Now, as I want to come to close, I want to show you something, that when the angels announced joy to the world, that was for you and me, so that we could understand Christ and the fullness of salvation and what God has prepared for us, but then the fullness of that comes through us sharing that with others, not being devoid of the trials we're going to have, not being devoid of the suffering, that God didn't come to take that all away. Actually, he brought it. He said, we will suffer for him. We will suffer for our faith. But the fullness of his joy comes when we now share it with other people and we love other people. Over 2,000 years ago, the angels prophesied into your life and into my life. They prophesied into our life. So if we just change it again, there's slide 16. Do not be afraid. You and I now bring the good news of great joy for all the people. You understand that? The great news at that time was Jesus had arrived. But then he said, now it's your role to carry that on. So we now have that responsibility. When we sing joy to the world, it's now our responsibility. When you hear those words or sing those words, I want to encourage you, you're talking to yourself, joy to the world. I need to bring joy to the world. I've got it in me. I've got the fullness of joy, and that only comes out of me when I share it with other people. So going right back to the angels, giving that joy to the world, that's you and that's me carrying on with what we are required to do. Do you understand that? It says in Romans, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring you good news. As you go your way this Christmas, know this. You have the fullness of joy inside you. It will help you even unto death. And it's the best tool to reach others because everyone needs the fullness of joy. Amen? Amen. Well, I'd just like the musicians to come. You know, just briefly, I just want to uh, give an opportunity to anybody that would like to give their heart to the Lord, anybody that may not have done that. We're probably, most of us are in here are believers, have asked Jesus into our lives at time. But I just want to make that uh, offer to anybody because the Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life.
So anybody this Christmas morning just like to ask Jesus to come into their heart, to forgive them of their sin, just give me a wave. Or just say a simple prayer. And you can know that Christ lives in you. You can know that your sins are forgiven. You can know that when you die, you will go to heaven because you are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And so you will live there for eternity. But we have a job to do down here and God wants to do it with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to be your friend. Anybody want to do that this morning? Just give me a wave and we'll just pray for you. Okay, church, let's stand up. Let's worship the Lord. We're going to worship with all your heart. You have joy, great joy.